right, good evening, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Sunday evening? Praise the Lord. Everyone's talking about how good it feels outside, and I am a happy man. I did not like the 112 degree stuff, so thank you, Jesus. The Lord's good. Our deliverance has arrived. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up this evening by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And of course, uh, as we did this morning, we acknowledge that today is September 11th. And that is a day that, of course, uh, you know, we remember and want to pay respect to and remember everything that happened to our country on that day. But we thank God uh, that Jesus is Lord. And that's why we continue to speak faith over the United States. That's why we continue to pray and stand in the gap and intercede for revival, for breakthrough, for good things happening in the United States of America. And so we refuse to join in with the, the negativity and the cursing against the this country and we say in Jesus name America is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. We're going to speak some faith over the United States. Let's say it loud and proud. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. God is good. You may be seated. All right. Well, we've got a few announcements to go over here. And by a few, I mean we are busy. We have got a lot going on right now. We're coming into the uh, especially busy time of year as we start prepping for the holidays and all that fun stuff. But good news is SMTI, the Bible College, starts tomorrow night. Yes, amen. Super excited. And so if you are enrolled in that, uh, you, of course, you've already got the information. But uh, tomorrow night is your big night to start school. So we are very, very happy about that. Uh, servant leadership is this Thursday at 630. Yes, Desiree's excited because, hey, she's leading it. All right. So uh, Thursday at 630 is our servant leadership. And that is an opportunity for you to kind of help us plan some things and get involved receive a little leadership teaching yourself and uh, just really hook up and be a part of what's going on. And it's especially important as we're dealing with Harvest Fest and everything right now. So be there Thursday at 6.30. All right. Uh, the young adults for ages 18 to 30 is going to be uh, having a barbecue on Friday from 7 to 9 p.m. So young adults, are you here? There you go. Okay. We found one. We found one. All right. So Friday, 7 o'clock, uh, there's a sign-up sheet back there, but I guess the meat is provided, so bring a side dish to share, and have a good time, man. You need to surround yourself with godly people, with godly influences. That's super important for your growth, and this is a great chance to do that. All right, so here comes the big stuff. Harvest Fest is Friday, October 28th. Yeah. 
so Friday the 28th, and uh, man, they are really getting a lot of stuff going for this. I think it's going to be the biggest and best one that we've ever had yet. Amen? And so uh, the, the whole group keeps meeting every week and all that fun stuff. Uh, there's a lot of fundraisers that we've got going on. Uh, the budget this year is about $4,000 for the event. And we got 1600 so far. Uh, so that's, praise God, we're getting there almost halfway. Uh, if you want to just give into the offering for that, you can simply mark your envelope, Harvest Fest, and we'll make sure it goes right to it. But there's a lot of great fundraisers going on. They're all on the screen. Uh, uh, so, you know, just pay attention to Doing $25 pedicures and manicures for the month of September. And 50% of the proceeds are going to Harvest Fest. So, ladies, get your nails did. Come on, men, send your ladies to get your nails did. All right. All right. Love you. Probably not going to go do that. All right. But thank you, Jesus. So, um, and then there's all these other great things going on. I'm not even going to go through the whole list. But if you like donuts, if you like to eat, we're probably the church for you. All right. So uh, pay attention to all that fun stuff. And the info booth has uh, information on all of these great things. Now, one of the biggest things that we do need is candy. We got to have lots and lots of candy. Amen. I believe they said the goal is 1,500 bags this year they want to do. So 1,500 bags. And we aren't talking about a bag with a couple of Smarties and a Tootsie Roll. We're talking about good stuff, right? We want these kids to get, I mean, just the best. Now, the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. The good of the land includes Snickers, Milky Way, and Reese's. Somebody should say amen. Am I right? All right. I mean, it doesn't... The Message Bible said it that way, but the King James worded it differently. Anyway, so just uh, pay attention to that, and uh, and we need to bring in candy. So we've got the annual Kids versus Teenagers Candy Competition is in full swing, and so uh, whichever group brings in more candy uh, gets to have a big party and uh, bragging rights for the whole year. So there's two uh, bins by the info booth. One says teens, one says uh, children. Go ahead, and when you bring in candy, put it in one of those, whichever group you like better. I mean, you should like them all the same. But anyway, uh, whichever group you want to win, bring in your candy. And I was so excited. One of our online viewers all the way from Virginia sent in 17 big bags of candy from, I mean, <clears throat> from like 2,500 miles away. And so I'm like, come on, the local Barstow people, if, if we can be getting donations from the East Coast, we better start bringing in some candy. Amen. So anyway, when you're at Walmart, man, just grab a bag and bring it in. And we're going to bless these kids of Barstow and our own church kids here in a great big way. And so they'll know that Jesus loves them and Jesus is Lord of all. Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. And God just loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will be glad to give you one. We're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 and the NLT. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. But Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look here at verse 9. Proverbs 3 and verse 9. And it tells us this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. It tells us to honor the Lord with our wealth, with our finances. Well, what's some ways that we could honor God with our wealth, with our finances? 
I believe one of the biggest things would be to simply obey his word on the topic. When it tells us to tithe and bring 10% into the storehouse, into the church, into the temple, well, then we should do that. That is honoring God with our wealth. Uh, you know, we should be good givers. Amen. Uh, that's a big part of it, to be a good, cheerful giver in addition to your tithing. And so doing these things is honoring the Lord with our and with the best everything that we produce look at verse 10 as we do that he will fill your barns with grain who wants a barn full of grain tonight yeah all right come on. <laughs> i would yeah you want think of all the bread you can make jesse come on we love bread oh my god tortillas good lord come on people yeah yes you may not know it but believe me you want a barn full of grain or I believe maybe more in our modern language, you could have a bank account that is nice and, and prosperous. Amen. And maybe you don't operate on a grain currency. Maybe you might use you know money. But either way, the bottom line is God will make sure that you are blessed and you are prosperous. You have what you need and your vats will overflow with good wine. Amen. And so the Lord wants his people to be blessed. But the way to do it is to honor God and obey His Word. Amen. All right, let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Because everything we do is by faith. Whatever is not of faith is sin, the New Testament tells us. So it is really important that we do everything by faith. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar so we can worship the Lord. But let's just all sing together tonight. The King of all creation Set aside his crown, a servant to the Father's love, descended from his throne above, an author of salvation, a giver of new life, crucified to pay for sin, our righteousness is in the name of Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all things. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. Resurrection, conqueror of death, over everything. The Lord of and King 
Let's get back in the spirit. (laughs) Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, that there is no one like you. And Lord, I want to thank you that you came and died for our sins. You were raised from the dead. And Lord, you left us an inheritance. You told us that we could have the will of God done on earth in our lives as it is in heaven. Thank you that you left us uh, your will and testament the Bible. As we studied the New Testament, Lord, your last will and testament, you left us there. I want to thank you as that comes off those pages, gets in our hearts, comes out of our mouths, and we line up our lives with it. We can have your best on earth for us, for our families, and we can affect, we can affect the realm around us of the people, Lord. You invited into our circle, Lord, friends, strangers, co-workers, family, whoever it is, Lord, we can be a glow and burning with the Spirit where they look at us and just ask us, what's the reason of the hope within you? And Lord, we can tell them it's all about Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's see. Where's the hungry ones at? Which one's the hungry section? Oh, it's the whole church. It's the whole church. You know why? Because we prayed you in. We prayed, we prayed you into this church. Mrs. Pastor and I had our faith before we ever came to California for people that were hungry for the Word of God. That would be loyal and faithful. Tithers and givers. Willing to be, willing to be used by God and what He gifted and called them to do. And, uh, I, I, I said that to say this. I was talking to one of the young guys in the church a couple days ago. And he told me how much time he spent in the Word every day. And I thought, yep, I prayed you in a long time ago, and that's what you do. The Mr. Pastor told me that about another young man in the church. He said, you know what he told me? He spends X amount of time in the Word every day. And I thought, man, 
That's somebody after God's own heart and after my heart. You know, I was just thinking of worshiping God, how some of the other Christians that I went to church with thought I was absolutely weird. Go to church all day Sunday morning. I was single. I go home in the afternoon and I read my Bible, get the Word all afternoon. I come back at nighttime talking. They all talk about what they do. What did you do today, Bertie? I said, I got the Word. They said, did you go to church today? I said, yeah. But I said, I had to get the Word for myself. So I'd go home and read my Bible. We'd have revivals going on in the churches and things like that. And in between time, I was in the Word. That's just what my life was about. Somebody said, well, man, that is kind of peculiar. Thank you. That's what Peter said. would be called peculiar people. Amen. Amen. Do you qualify? Are you peculiar? You know, I'll tell you one thing. It's one thing to get in the Word. It's another thing to get the Word in you. How do you know when the Word's in you? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, For the buds of the heart, the mouth speaketh. At the first sight, at the first sight of trouble, something catch you off guard, if the first thing coming out of your mouth is not Jesus, your word says, then you don't have enough word in you yet. Well, I have to say it, doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen, let's get excited about this. We're talking about Jesus and his word. Now tonight, we're going to be talking about how to live the abundant life that Jesus has for you. Uh, you know, if you've been born again, any length of time at all, a bit about a church, been around a church like this, then you know you keep hearing over and over and over again how much better He has for you, how much more He has for you. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. To me, the absolutely primary number one way to qualify to hit, get His best in your life at every read is what we're going to talk about tonight. Now I want you to open up with John chapter 10, verse 10. Hey, Melinda, would you send Dylan a text and tell him that they didn't cheer like he cheers? We're getting to John chapter 10, chapter uh, 10, verse 10 is where we're going to start at. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm always so excited about that because Brother Hagen years ago used to say, and I know it's the truth, so it's always stuck with me. When you get excited about the Bible, you're actually getting excited about Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word. And, you know, you stop to think about it. When we're His representatives on earth, I mean, we all are, but when you're the pastor, the preacher, talking to people, Jesus put His anointing on us, His gift in us to help you. And so Jesus said, in my name, go. And so when you get a man or woman of God that's preaching in the name of Jesus, and He tells you, open your Bibles, you ought to get excited. And we're not at all, not at all getting weird or saying, hey, man, this is Jesus talking to you. But we ought to honor that Jesus sent him to say something to me and give us the same respect that you would Jesus if he showed up. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus himself said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the King James says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it less abundantly. More abundantly. Now, the Amplified Bible, every time I get a new Bible, there's different uh, things that out of the Amplified. I always put in some of my favorite Amplified verses. So right underneath that, there's a big space in my Bible. I wrote this. Jesus said the Amplified, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Have and enjoy life. 
If you're not having an enjoying life in abundance to the full, to overflows, then I'm glad you're here tonight. And I'm glad you're watching out there tonight because we're going to look at some things in the Bible from Jesus by the Holy Spirit to us today that have to have and enjoy that life. Amen. Amen. If, if you're saved, notify your face. <laughs> All right. Now, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6. I'm wound up tonight, aren't I? Well, you know why? Because I'm excited about the Word. I'm excited about what it's done in my life. For my family, in all the multitudes of people I've got to minister to the last 40-some years, I'm just excited about the changed lives I've seen. And, you know, I know that uh, in, in Jeremiah 3.15, it said, I'll give you pastors with my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so I know that if I'm thrilled to hear these young guys say how much they love the Word of God, that's how they spend their spare time. And I'm sure some young women do too, but just the guys all have heard about this week. But I know we have the young women that love the word too. If that thrills a pastor that lives in an earth suit, how much more does it fill the, thrill the Father in heaven? And the Lord Jesus Christ to his right hand. You know, I'm just, th- I'm just thinking about that. That I know because the value that God places on his word. Matter of fact, in Psalms 138 says he exalts his word above his name. If he places that much value on the word, he says he watches over his word to perform it, in Jeremiah. And then in Mark chapter 16, he says he confirms his word with signs following. Then Isaiah 55 says, my word will not return void. If God places that much value on the word of God, I can imagine that when one of his children gets in trouble and they start quoting the word of God because it's in their heart coming out of their mouth. And when, they, when, they, when they're facing challenges, they start saying, What's the Bible say? Lord, show me where to go to. What part of your word do I need to be able to come through this with? I know, I know, if if there's such a thing as a high five in heaven, I know the Father looks at Jesus, they go like that. They're getting it, they're getting it, they're going for a while, they got it. Amen. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to look at verse 31 to 34. I briefly talked about this this morning at offering time. But this whole chapter deals with... Uh, Basically, with, with money things and with God's people and how God wants to take care of his people. So verse 31, he says, Therefore, take no thought, and it really means take no anxious thought. Don't be worried, saying. And I'm not going to preach on this part tonight, but I circled saying because that's, that's, that, that, that's so critical. I, got, I just got a mission because I'm a faith teacher. We all get hit with thoughts of doubt, fear. I wonder if. Let me tell you something. It's not your thought till you say it. When you say it, you bought it. Satan's put that in front of you. Uh, did anybody ever watch Get Smart? We don't have that many older people in here except Frank. Frank did, I know. <laughs> Frank, that's payback. Okay, Get Smart. That's an old show a long time ago. This guy, the guy's supposed to be a spy back in the really funny spy days. And... He would try to get his way out of something. He said, would you believe? And if the person he's tried to con wouldn't go for it, was a, then he'd say, well, would you believe this? Would you believe? Well, when the devil comes to you, would you believe? You're not getting your healing this time. Would you believe? The lights go off on Wednesday. Would you believe what your kid's doing right now? You can open your mouth and say, no, I wouldn't believe it. I believe the Bible. Amen. Like Pastor Dave said this morning, you got to learn to say no. 
When those thoughts come, Jesus said, do you notice the take? He said, take no thought, saying. So as soon as you spoke it, you said, okay, devil, I take it. You know, I got three words for you. Zip the lip. Zip the lip. And if you can't do that, then let's, let's get the flesh thing, go out to Walmart, get the gray tape. But you know the best way? Get full of the Word of God. So when the thoughts come, speak the Word. And so he's talking about financial things. There, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's non-covenant people. He's talking to Jews here, the Gentiles. Well, today, non-covenant people are people who aren't born again yet. People have never received Jesus. They're not walking in any covenant yet. The people of the world are worried if you will, to death. But I'm faith to life. Amen. I, I am faith to life. I'm not worried to death. It says, for after all these things they seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Does anybody here suppose that God knows how much gas costs in California? It says he knows it. Does anybody think that back during the pandemic days that God knew where toilet paper was? No, I'm just being real about what's going on here. All these different things, whatever it is that's bothering you. If all the other kids in school have a certain pair of tennis shoes or whatever it is, and you're the Christian, and you're all embarrassed for your kid, and you hurt for them because you used to go to school yourself, you think that God doesn't know your kid needs those tennis shoes? It says he knows what you have need of. It says he knows, but he's telling us how to get it. He says, knows what you have need of, but what's he say to do? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thoughts, no anxious thoughts about tomorrow, for tomorrow's going to have enough things coming at you anyway, so don't worry about tomorrow. You deal about today sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Now I want you to look at verse 24. And I want to put verse 24 with verse 33, because they're both saying the same thing. He said in verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or put it this way, you cannot serve God and money. One's going to be your master. Amen. What, what, I, what I saw years and years ago as a young Christian as I observed other Christians in life, I found out that some people, and this is not the road I'm going down, so I gotta stay, I gotta stay on point. I saw some Christians were so hungry for things and money and what they could do, a lot of them ended up backsliding, lose their Christianity and grow cold to Jesus because when God was moving on them to get more hooked up with churches and things like, Oh, I can't. I got, I, I got to work a double double this week and a double double. Man, for the next 32 days, I'm working doubles like that. Well, why are you doing that? Back in the day, it was, well, I got to pay for my boat. I got to pay for my new car. And I got all these payments. If I don't work, I lose everything. Well, who's their master? Jesus or things? One more time. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. He says, you cannot serve God and money. So verse 33 then, what's he say? Seek ye first. The kingdom of God is righteous. All these things shall be added unto you. And so we as Christians, 
We as Christians need to get our priorities right if we're going to enjoy John 10, 10, having to enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. We're going to have to find out what he means about seeking first the kingdom of God. And so I told this this morning, but I'm going to tell it again because it's real to me. Matter of fact, it's about the time uh, Pastor Dave may not have even been conceived yet because I know the farmhouse we lived in, in Noblesville, Indiana. I was on fire for Jesus, always had since I've been saved. I was totally sold out to Jesus. I gave up a lot of things, et cetera, et cetera. I followed Jesus all the way. I wasn't just some uh, Sunday morning Christian. I wasn't a weekend warrior. I was in it. I was full-time army. I was in his service. And I kept seeing that Matthew six thirty three. You know, for the years I'd been saved, I heard preachers say all the time, they'd use that verse, Matthew six thirty three. Seek you first the kingdom of God. And so it started bothering me right down in my heart. I said, Lord, you're only seeking something that you don't have. You're seeking for it. Did anybody play hide and seek? You didn't know where they were. You had to look for them. And so this just kept bothering me and bothering me and bothering me. Seek you first the kingdom. And I just, I mean, I, I, I just, I wasn't irreverent towards the Lord, but I'd say that to him every day. What do you mean, seek you, seek you, seek you? I'm in it. Kingdom of God's in me. I'm here. What am I looking for? I found it. I'm here. Seek you first. Seek you, seek you, seek you. How can I seek something I've got? And so it bothered me enough, I got out my different Bible translations I had, my Greek stuff, my resources, and I, I checked that out and read it, and it came down to this. The best way I saw that he said that is this. First of all, go for the expansion of God's kingdom. Those words there, when you look at them, it says go for the expansion of God's kingdom. And so you're not seeking it. You've got it, but you're seeking how to expand it. Go for the expansion of God's kingdom. And so then I began to look at it, and with spiritual understanding, I said, well, wait a minute. If something expands, means it's getting bigger. And so uh, my wife and I, being the proud parents of eight children, I knew what it was for a family to expand means more babies. Your family gets bigger and expands as you have more babies. And so I knew if I was going to seek ye first the kingdom of God, going for the expansion of the kingdom, I knew that meant there had to be more baby Christians. And so if I put my priorities of being Jesus' conscience for sharing his love and talking about him everywhere I went that I knew that I was going for the kingdom first. If I knew that if there's doing missions, offerings in church, it's up for missionaries. Well, what are they doing? They're over there expanding the kingdom. So I would help missionaries because that's going for the expansion of the kingdom. If I knew there was a guest speaker come to teach the word of God, I was a sheep. I wasn't, I wasn't the preacher. I was a sheep. I knew if God sent a man or woman into the church to help the Christians in the church be stronger and better Christians that I gave in his offering, I'm going for the expansion of the kingdom because I'm helping him to do what God called him to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so to seek you first the kingdom of God means you become kingdom of God conscious. You become serious about that. And so I want to say this. For you to enjoy God's absolute best, what he's got for you, you need to get hooked up with what he said to do. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Shall be added. Shall be added unto you. And I think about carnal Christians. Carnal Christians are Christians just live like everybody else does. In their hearts, they're born again. They've got uh, the Holy Spirit in them. They're saved. They know they're going to heaven. They're born again. They don't go out and practice sin. They're not like that. 
but they're not really serious about spiritual things either. And so carnal Christians kind of think, well, if I get too much money going into this or that, and, you know, if I tithe, et cetera, et cetera, then I won't have enough for this. And so the way they see that verses like this through their eyes is this. It doesn't pay to serve God. I can serve God just this much because I'm serving money. And so if I put my money there, things will be subtracted. If I tithe, I won't have enough for my light bill. If I tithe, we'll never have enough food. If I tithe, how could I ever get a better car? Well, the whole thing is, either God told the truth or he didn't. He said, putting first tithing's part of it. Amen. And everything else is, but the whole thing was, if we're going to believe this for what he said, seek you first. I know what you need. You seek me first, and I'll add these things to you anyway. I praise God all the years that I've been a Christian for all the different things he's provided that I didn't have to buy. I'll tell you what, a lot of times that faith weighs the hard way. But I do remember, i got to watch the bunny trails. I do remember when we were having lots of poor days, it just always amazed me, the rich people that our realm of influence went to our church, the different ones we'd known, you know, like that. They'd show up at our door with all these new kids' clothes that were they all cheapos. There's the stuff for the big stores that we only read about and never went to. We always got those kind of things for our kids because my father in heaven saw how serious we were about serving him, putting him first, and the stuff always showed up. It always showed up. I want to say that one more time to all you young parents. It always showed up. It always showed up because we put the kingdom of God first above everything else. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Glory to God. Amen. And so seek you first the kingdom of God. Go for the expansion of the kingdom of God first. And I want to look, I want to look at ways the Bible talks about that. That will really make it very plain to you. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 14 to 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this. You know, these things are so real to me. When I got this morning, I had a little time with the Lord. And as I was sitting there, I said, Lord, what is it you want me to say to the Christians tonight? And this whole sermon was written out probably about 15 minutes. You know why it came out of me so quick? Because I've lived it for nearly 43 years. And so it wasn't hard to come out. All I did is write what I live. Amen. And you can follow me as I follow Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. And Pastor Dave really hit on this this morning when he talked about, it's not all about me. It's all about Jesus and the ones that he wants us to help. He says, verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. How many know that the whole world is dead in sin? And Jesus died for the whole world that was dead. And that he died for all, that they would live, and let's talk about Christians now, that they that are alive in Christ, they would live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know what I call that? I call that sold out. I remember I remember one time the Lord said to me, and this, this is 
kind of something you might want to write down. I, I just thought it was pretty cool the way he talks to me sometimes. I write him down. One day when I was praying, he said, God said, I've sent out an SOS. I said, SOS? What's an SOS? He said, I'm looking for sold-out saints, not do-nothing-aints. Isn't that something how the Holy Ghost talks to us? He said, I'm looking for sold-out saints, not do-nothing-aints. God wants people that will sell out. And the benefits of being sold out is how he takes care of the ones that are sold out. And so he said, you shouldn't live unto yourself, but for him which died for you and rose again. Now I want to jump down to verse 17. Well, verse 14, 15, yeah, verse 17. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's to all born-again Christians, not to preachers only. Because he said, he didn't say if any preacher be in Christ, he said if any of you, any of us, any person be in Christ, their new creation, and said we've been reconciled to God, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. But what is the ministry of reconciliation? Verse 19. To wit, or to know, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What's the word of reconciliation? God's not mad at you anymore. See, people that are lost, that have never received Jesus, people that are backslidden, the devil puts a guilt trip on them. You're not good enough. You're not a church person. Look what, look what kind of heathen you are. You never qualify. And God said he gave us as Christians the ministry of reconciliation. You know, I don't know what all the laws are now, but I remember back back when I was young, uh, you couldn't get a divorce in America, I don't think, unless you adultery or something really, really horrible on the books there. But I remember when they passed on about 1970, I think, they called it irreconcilable differences. In other words, all you had to do to get a divorce was say we can't be reconciled. What's reconciled mean? We can't be brought back together when we live together anymore. We can't do it. Well, God said to tell them through Jesus Christ they've been reconciled. They can come back to God and live for him. He said, we've got that ministry to tell people, God is not mad at you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. I want you to know that. I used to be like you. <clears throat> I used to be afraid. I used, I, I talked about how we talk to people. I used to be afraid. I used to be addicted to alcohol. I used to be addicted to nicotine. I was a champion cusser. I was mean. I wasn't fun to be around. I hated myself. I didn't want to get up. But one day, I received Jesus into my heart. And I found out God wasn't mad at me. He's not mad at you. Can I pray for you? Will you go to church with me? Let me help you. What can I do? What can I do to help you get rid of that depression? What can I do to help your family? Anything I can do for you. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And you know what that's also called? Seek you first the kingdom of God. Go for the expansion of the kingdom. What happens when you walk in the ministry of reconciliation, go for the expansion? All these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Now hold your place before I look at the next verse. You've really got to see this next verse I want to show you. But hold your place and look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians 3.20. i got the King James here, but that... Probably everybody else in here except me has got another translation, but my, my, my center column does tell. 
what this says in the Greek. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven. Pastor Dave, I know you got the NLT. What's your say? Oh, okay. Oh, who else? Who else has a different word for that? Starts with a C. Citizenship. 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 We're not Americans first as born again Christians. Our citizenship is from heaven. Did you know you're really citizens of the kingdom of heaven first? That's who we answer to first. That's where our help comes from. Our citizenship is in heaven. And now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Had to see that verse first for this to make sense to you. And I, I got a hold of this, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, how this whole thing works. And this is all wrapped around Matthew six thirty-three, for your needs to be met abundantly. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Now then... Because we're citizens of heaven, we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. <clears throat> As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're citizens for heaven, ambassadors for Christ. And so, I want to talk about that to get this picture. Now listen to this. We're talking about Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteousness, and all these things shall be Give it unto you, provide it to you. Think about this. Don't look at America how it is now. Look at America how it's supposed to be. And when there's an American embassy, I'm thinking about Peru. Dave was in Peru with me. Dave was in Cindy. Do you guys remember that American embassy? Oh, Nicaragua. Sorry, I got oh, that Peru's getting out of here. Oh, get out of here. Do you guys remember the American embassy on that one road going into Managua? Remember how big and nice that place looked in the middle of of that foreign country. We have that great big giant flag we can see from everywhere. When you get to a foreign country, that's the same thing when foreign countries are in here, they have embassies. Well, an embassy in America is considered the soil of that nation, and we can't go in there because that's given to them as their embassy. When we go to these other lands and we got an embassy, that there is American soil in their country because that's the way the system's set up. Embassies have their own place that is sovereign, and the supplies, provisions, and everything in American embassy for the ambassadors come from America. There might be poverty all around them, might be lack, might be all kinds of bad things going on, might be all kinds of bad laws, but inside of that embassy, the way the system is supposed to work in this world is those people are American citizens. You can't touch them. You can't go in there. And if we need supplies over there, if we're in the embassy and we're the ambassador, all we have to do is contact Washington, D.C. to our government and say we need $100,000 for these cars. We've got to have them to be effective in what we're doing over here. We've got to have this medicine. We've got to have these things. We've got to have this help. We need another 50 workers over here for what we're doing. And because America is the source to take care of the ambassador of the embassy, that America gets stuff to you. We are ambassadors for somebody far superior to the United States government. We have a mission called the Great Commission. We have an assignment. We're citizens of heaven temporarily on earth on assignment. 
ambassadors to a foreign land are on assignment, and their assignment is to make the United States of America look the best it can. They're to let people know what America's like. Liberty, freedom, provision, opportunity, how good it is to be an American citizen. We, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, are on assignment. We need to do all we can do to make Jesus look good. To make it look wonderful serving the kingdom of God. You know, there shouldn't be any bad luck stories in a Christian's mouth. Somebody comes talking to you, telling you what a rough time they're having, how their house is full of sickness. Your mouth should be, well, so is mine, man. It's going around everywhere. We all got it. If sickness tries to come in my embassy, I contact heaven. I say, heaven, we need some healing over here now. There's no sickness in heaven. I tell people how good Jesus is. Jesus is the healer. And I tell them how my Jesus supplies my healing for myself, my family, my loved ones. And we reach into heaven and we get healing sent. It shouldn't be. Well, you know, that, that old junker's all I can afford. That's all I got. Well, that's not all my father could afford. Amen. Sometimes we may go through some temporary hard times. We're going through those hard times. We should be in contact with heaven. We should be putting seek ye first kingdom of God. I know that I learned a long time ago off my spiritual fathers. If I need something, then the principle of the kingdom is called seed time and harvest. If I need something, I look for somebody I can sow a seed. It might be prayer seed. It might be financial seed. It might be food. It might be love. Whatever it is I'm lacking in, I've learned the way to get it is you give what you need. Amen. And the thing is, when it comes back from heaven, it's given through men, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God never matches you dollar for dollar. You know, you get these things, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> they come across my phone all the time. If you'll give now, we got a donor going to match dollar for dollar. Well, God says, I give it back 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Just need your billfold. Amen. Amen. God's in the fold business. Does anybody get what I'm saying here about us as Christians, what God said? We are not, we are not, just a bunch of poor, losing beggars and bums barely getting through life. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. <clears throat> we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors, not from a poor, broke, third world country, from heaven. We're ambassadors from heaven. You think about heaven. You know, I don't know how many ever think about this, but I take the Bible for what it says. If God says, and I'll never forget the first time I had a guest speaker as an old guy in his 70s. <laughs> now I'm an older guy in my 70s. But anyway, I was, a, I was a baby pastor, and I was so proud to have this guest speaker come in that preached at my church when I was a sheep. Man, I got this guy to come to my church, and I got up there, and I was doing what I always heard all the religious preachers do. I said, do you know that the streets of heaven are, are, are paved in gold? And he stopped me when I said that. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, Pastor, the Bible doesn't say that. I said, what? He said, it says they're made out of gold, 
man's carnal thinking thinks pavement, but God said made. And so you think about highways that are made out of cement. They're not paved with cement on top of a bunch of dirt. They're concrete all the way down. Heaven streets are made, not paved. They're made out of gold. The walls around the heaven. Isn't that something? God has walls around heaven. But then you read the book of Revelation. He says the liars, the murderers, the adulterers, the thieves said they can't come into heaven because God has walls. You come in by invitation. Now that's through Jesus. But it says the walls of heaven have jewels all in the walls. It says the gates of heaven, they don't have pearls. said all those gates are one giant pearl. And so what I'm saying is this. My homeland that sent me to earth is not broke. Amen. God's the one. And I, I remember when I was in Bible school 40-some years ago, teaching about the Garden of Eden. It talked about how God wanted to take care of Adam, take, take care of Adam and Eve so much that God put in the Garden of Eden gold. And I always remember this. It's a stuff called bedulum. It said that's what perfume and really nice stuff that women wear to smell good. So the garden said, well, to make sure Adam got to Eve so he could start to populate the earth. But all those things were provided in the Garden of Eden that man needed. And now our home is our embassy. Our home is our Garden of Eden. And everything we have need of, our home country has. But we as Christians have to get serious about our assignments. I, I want to tell you right now, the world at America is ripe. They are ripe for the gospel. There's people that you work with in your families, they wouldn't listen to you a year ago. They wouldn't listen to you six months ago. But the pressure's on. People are hurting. They want somebody to tell them, this is what God has done for me. The pressure's on. And then, you know, I know that for me, because I've learned the power of words, even when time in times of great lack and challenge, I've always kept my mouth right, especially around sinners. I've never broadcast to Christians or anybody else my family troubles, let alone on Facebook. Nobody's never known if my wife and I ever had a crossword. Nobody's never known if my children were out not doing things they shouldn't do. That's between us and God, we controlled things. How's it, how's it going to look good to the world to represent our kingdom if they see we're losing just like they are? We might be going through the same battles, but we got the answer. Amen. One thing I learned a long time ago, I can't give a testimony I passed the test. And if you're griping while you're going through the test, you've got to take that class over again. And so I learned a long time ago, I don't like going back through the same school again. I want to pass the first time around. Amen. Amen. And so it says we're ambassadors for Christ. And so I, th I think I've, I've hit on that enough for you to understand that in God's eyes, you're not just somebody down here, down here wondering, does God have a plan for my life? You know, go to Mark chapter 16, and I'll show you how we do this. But I want to say this. 
I know over the years, see more so back in the Midwest than here, I ran into so many goofy religious people. Oh, God's got a plan for my life. This happened to me. That happened to me. That tells me God's got a plan. Because things happen to you doesn't mean God got a plan for you. Things happen to sinners too. Sinners go through bad things. If they come out of it, they just call it, well, I got lucky. We as Christians have the Holy Spirit in us. How many know that? How many know the Holy Spirit's in your heart? And the Holy Spirit leads you. He guides you. He bears witness with you. He teaches you. He shows you things to come. And He helps you understand the Bible. And you know by the witness of your spirit, God's plan for your life. But the main thing is, you have to know that the Bible, especially the New Testament, is the will of God for every born-again Christian. Amen. God wants you to go to church. He wants you to be a sexually pure person. He doesn't want you to lie, cheat, lie, cheat, steal, hurt people, hold grudges, be mean, mad. He wants you to talk right. He wants you to dress right. He wants you to be a good example of the kingdom. That's the will of God. And then as far as something beyond that, I think about some of the people in the church. I was praying for one of our uh, ladies this morning getting ready to go into a new, new phase of uh, career type thing. And as I prayed for her, I already knew she knew. I said, I said, you know, this is not a career. This is a ministry. God has people out there that only you can reach. And you go through all this training, all the things you're doing to fulfill your ministry from God. And then I reminded her uh, back in Indiana, we had, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it other than the way, the way I talk from where I'm from. I said the lady was, this lady in my church was PhDDD. She is the DDD and all the Ds and the PHs, super duper PhDDD. She was a tenured college professor at Indiana University, and what her job was, she retrained and gave extra training to doctors from around the world. That's what she did. She, uh, the Osama bin Laden family, some of those people came under her training there at Indiana University, and people from over there in the Middle East, from all over the world, they came back to Indiana University every so often, and this professor in my church was one of the main ones that trained them what they needed to hear to stay up with things, and she'd come to me sometimes. She was she was an SOS. She was a sold-out saint. We'd have work days and things, and things going on. She'd come to me and say, oh, I wish I could be there, but, you know, all this stuff. Like she, had, she, had, she had horses, too. She was pretty busy. And so if all she had, she just she cried out because she wanted to come and help clean the bathrooms and do floors, stuff like that. And she just so concerned she couldn't do more at the church. And I told her, I said, listen, I said, number one, what you're doing, where you're doing, is very, very, very critical to the kingdom of God. These people are coming and submitting to you. And I said, I know your Christian faith has to come out because you're so full of Jesus. Your Christian faith comes out to these people's lives. And I said, number two, I said, man, the money you make down there, I said, the tithe you put in does so much to help this church do what we're doing. You keep on working, keep on ministering, keep on tithing, and you come in here and I can fulfill my ministry by filling you up. I say, when you come in, I fill you up the Word of God. I hope I help you stay straight. I help you stay strong so you go back out that battlefield you're in and do your job. And so see, only you could know your ministry outside of being a Christian. We've all got the ministry of reconciliation, but we're all gifted. We're all called. We're all trained to do something that only you can do to reach your people group. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Amen. I'll I'll tell you.
I'm just thinking about our life to where we've grown to over the years. We, we went through a lot of poor years, bad years, lacking years, but we always kept our mouths right. We talked right. We never robbed God of his tithe. We always were givers to people what we have. You know, I, I just, I, I remember times when I'd barely have a dime or anything to put in the offering. I know if I never wanted to be the first one in the bucket, so you'd hear the plunk. I'd just kind of walk up there, and if I was the first one up, I'd put my hand down there real easy so they wouldn't hear that. So they might think it was a bunch of bills or something, you know. I don't know. But I mean, I'm just saying, I always wanted to give. I always wanted to give. We were faithful. And now, you know, this is not anything bragging except on Jesus, the house we live in now, the place we live in now, how God's brought us along in life. But I thought about that today. Nobody's going to preach. I looked at my house. I looked at the lake. I looked all around me. And I said, Jesus, this is my embassy. Thank you. I don't live in the house trail over snakes in it anymore. That's a true story. I tell you what, Mrs. Pastor, we lived in a house trailer down in Perrigan, Indiana. And I come home one day, man, what was you white as a sheet, and the eyeballs up like that. She said, Get that out. What? About a five foot snake skin under the sink. <laughs> and so what I want to say is this we don't live in the snake places anymore. We finally got a better embassy to live in. But the thing is, I only tell that to tell you, whatever you're doing, keep putting the kingdom first. Keep reaching out and loving people, serving God, loving people, because promotion's coming. Amen. And so, and so I want to look at Mark 16, and here is our message as ambassadors from the kingdom. Now, you've all heard, heard these verses before, Mark 16, verse 15 to 20. But this is our commission. This is our marching orders. I want to say it one more time. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have an assignment in a place called the world. Jesus said, you're in the world, but not of the world. We're in this, we're not of it. Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, is the God of this world. Satan's the one. He said in John 10, 10, we just saw it. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I came for you to have and enjoy life and that more abundantly. It takes faith. It takes faith to walk in victory over these things in this world because there's an enemy down here that's going to spend eternity in hell. He wants to take everybody he can with him to hell. And our job, our job is let them know you don't have to go there. You come to my country. What's your country? It's called heaven. Who's your leader? His name's Jesus. Mark 16, verse 15 and 20. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, the part of the world that I'm assigned to is called the high desert of Southern California. So I'm, I'm more concerned about this region right here than I am any place else in the world. I love people everywhere, and God's got people signed to people everywhere. I've got an assignment called the High Desert, Barstow, this area. And I think probably most of you do too, because God's got you here. And so you have to understand, this is your assigned region. Your embassy is located here. And so if you get out, if you get away from your embassy, get out of your calling, and supplies show up and you weren't home, it's not God's fault. 
Amen. It's not return to sender. He sends them to where you're supposed to be. Well, that's a good one, isn't it? Amen. It says, you, you preach the gospel to every creature, every person. He that believeth as baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned, shall be condemned. And you know what I saw this even as a baby Christian? They're all already damned or condemned anyway. The whole world's in darkness already condemned. When we tell them the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, we're giving them a chance to get off a death row. Did you know that the whole world's on death row? Isn't that what condemned means? If somebody's condemned, that means they're condemned? Well, this is talking about being condemned to spiritual death, eternity separated from God in hell. He said, he that believeth not is condemned. Well, so that's where they are. And so when we let people know about Jesus and they receive him, it says they're saved. And get them baptized. And then, some of the benefits of the kingdom. I like this. And these signs to follow them that believe. This is us, the ambassadors. In my name, because we're there in the name of Jesus. I think about people over there at the embassy in foreign countries. They're not there in the name of Smith or Jones or Gonzalez or whoever it is. They're there in the name of the United States of America. And when they talk to people over there, they say, I'm here representing the United States. And when they say in these countries, uh, I don't know how it is now in places, but I don't know how it's supposed to be when people say, I'm from the United States, people are supposed to be on this side. They, man, they go to attention. They think, United States, I know about the United States. The United States is big. They're powerful. They got plenty. It's a good place to be. And so we as Christians, when we come in the name of Jesus, people in their hearts, something happens. Where they say we're here in the name of Jesus. Amen. He says, in my name, in my name, these I follow that believe, they cast out demons. We are the ones who have authority over the devil. He does not have authority over us. Why would you ever be afraid of a lying devil? Why would you ever be afraid of a spirit of death? Why would you ever be afraid God's not giving you the spirit of fear? We're ambassadors. We're citizens of heaven. He says, we cast out devils. We speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. And when I read that passage again this afternoon, listen to this. How many know, even in modern times, there's plenty of stories that people called spies try to poison people from America when they're over there trying to help their countries. They poison them. I remember in the last couple of years, there's been people from Russia that have poisoned other people trying to get rid of the bad guys. Well, we're down here representing heaven, and Jesus said, if my ambassadors drink any dead, deadly thing, and not harm them. The devil loves to hurt people with poison food. He loves to hurt people with poison water. He loves to hurt people. And so I know that for me, as a new Christian, my pastor taught me, this is one of the reasons you pray the Word of God over your food. You pray over your food, and a lot of times what comes out of my mouth is, Lord, I want to thank you. If I partake of any deadly thing, it's not going to harm me. And what that means is this. You don't leave the potato salad out in the sun for three days and then say, I'm going to prove that works and eat that. What that means is this. If the devil, even through your ignorance sometimes, you don't really realize something, if something slips in, and you're a person of faith and you got to pray it over, I believe that God neutralizes what's there and you come out of it. Amen? 
Why is this? This is some of the benefits of the kingdom. Jesus said, you preach the gospel to every creature. I call that going for the expansion of the kingdom. You go for the expansion of the kingdom. He said, while you're out there, the devil can't hurt you. You have authority over him. You cast devils out. They don't cast you out. You cast them out. And then he said, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. And then they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. To me, I found out as a baby Christian, one of the greatest things I have for my homeland, the kingdom of heaven, is my hands. Well, I'll tell you, I've told you so many stories. But anyway, it, it, it is really so fun to be out in public, restaurants, workplace, wherever you are, and somebody that's having health problems. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many waitresses have been at our tables over the, they're not waitresses now, they're servers. How many servers have been to our table and just see they're having a rough day, say, hey, is everything okay? You look like, you look like you, you know, something's wrong. Oh, I've had this headache all day. Had this headache for three days. Can I pray for you? Give me your hand. And release the anointing. It's gone. It's gone. And then to be able to say, Jesus did that. Jesus did that for you. You understand what I've said? What's that called? That's going to seek you first. That's expanded the kingdom. And then a lot of times, while I've had their hand, I've said, have you given your heart to Jesus? Well, when I was a little girl, when I was a little boy, I used to go to Sunday school. I used to do that, and I think I was saved back then. And I said, you know what? Jesus just did that for you and healed you. Are you ready to get right with him? And while you're holding their hand, that's just a good point of contact because you've got the anointing. comes into your hands. That's why Jesus said, lay your hands on them. So while that anointing is active and working, say, well, just... Say this prayer with me. And you lead him through the prayer. You know what just happened? The devil lost one. God gained one. And so the kingdom expanded. Amen. And so then, as ambassadors, verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. So Jesus is in two places right now. He's in your heart by the Holy Spirit that his glorified body is seated at the right hand of God. And then they went forth and preached everywhere. And notice this, and this might change your prayer life. I'm going to say something that I hope it steps on some religious toes if we have any in here. It says, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, not for them. Why did I say it like that? I've heard too many Christians do the religious prayer. Oh, Jesus, go touch them. Jesus didn't say he touched them. He said, you lay hands on them. He said, you lay hands on them, and I'll confirm the word. What's the word? They shall lay hands on sick, they shall recover. You lay hands on them, he confirms the word. Now, when I'm praying for people in other states, people I'm not around, first thing I pray, because he told us in Matthew chapter 9, pray the Lord of the harvest, said labors in the harvest, I say, Father, I just asked you for this love without in Rhode Island or Massachusetts. We've got relatives everywhere. As they're in the hospital, I ask you to send a spirit-filled nurse, doctor, worker, janitor, somebody, visitor, because when I've been in the hospitals for, I've been drawn to rooms where I've asked if it's okay, I come in and talk to them. And so 
I pray that the Lord would send somebody that knows about laying on our hands into the room to those people. And I say, Lord, nobody is available. I just want to thank you for the anointing of God, the power of God coming down on them and healing them and let them know that you did it. Let them know, Jesus, it came from you. That's what ambassadors do. The Lord working with them. I want to say this one more time to make sure you get it. Working with them, not working for them. We're not his boss. He doesn't work for us. He works with us. He told us, your ambassadors, I'm at the right hand of the Father. You go do the ambassador. You do the work, and I'll back you up. That's what he said. Amen. Does this help anybody's prayer life? You don't send Jesus to do things. You pray, and then Jesus backs you up, or you send somebody that he can back up. Amen? Well, anyway, that's the best I got tonight. And, amen, go ahead. And so this whole thing started off in Matthew 6, 33. Don't lose focus on what it was. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go for the expansion. So you stay busy for Jesus. And somebody said, well, I just don't feel like it. Get full of the word. And the feelings will die. And the word will live through you. Amen. Then it will happen. All right. This is pastors. What? Okie dokie. All right. Hallelujah. Is Josh here? Josh left. Oh, hi, Josh. <laughs> what? Oh, so no, you I'm went, not speaking. You went to I'm sleep closing while preaching. out. What would you say? <laughs> Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Well, I know you learned something tonight. Amen. Every time this guy opens his mouth, he just gushes stuff. You just got to have your catcher's mitt on and catch it, right? Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, if you need prayer for anything, come on up. And Josh, you can lead us in a song if you would. There will be no one like you and no one beside you. You alone are worthy of all praise. And there will be no one like you and no Beside you, you alone are worthy of all praise. I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. There is no Exalt you, Lord. There is 
exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. No other name be lifted high. There will be no one like you and no Beside you, you alone are worthy of all praise. There will be no one like you and no one beside you, you alone are worthy of all praise there will be no one like you and no one beside you you alone are worthy of all praise there will be no Beside you, you alone are worthy of all praise. I will exalt you, Lord. I will exalt you, Lord. There is no anybody's fuse. Hey, man, did something in you go off? Praise God. I'll I tell you what, one of my prayers for our church is to be known as a soul winning church. As a church where people get answers, people get help. And as a love church, the love of God abounds. And I'll tell you what, there's no greater love, Jesus said, than lay down your life for the brethren. And that doesn't mean you go die. That means sometimes... You have to not do something you want to do, so you do something Jesus wants you to do to help somebody else that's not making it in life to help them. But that's what we want to do in life. We want to do that, but uh, I praise God that His Word does return void. That maybe some things that were dormant and some people watching, or some things that have just got cold and some of us here in the church, that something got some gasoline thrown on it, man, to get some fire lit. And we're going to get some people saved this year. Amen. Get some people healed this year. We're going to do some Matthew 6, 33 and go for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And we're going to see God do what he said he'd do for his ambassadors, provide abundantly for you for what you need to work for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesse, he's one of our fireballs. And where you work at, no fireballs on you. He's a welder. he got all kinds of sparks flying. He's a fireball spiritually. 
But anyway, I haven't heard him get to do anything for a while, so Jess, do that confession for us. All right, all right. Amen, amen. Who got a good word tonight? Yeah. Woo! Pastor always does a great job. All right, who's ready to close with the Barstow Faith Confession? Amen. All right. Ready? Here we go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is strong. Barstow is safe. Barstow is, Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo!